Welcome back to the company of one with Dale Callahan. I am your host, Dale Callahan, and today we're doing episode number 189. We're going to talk all about the money. Theoretically, today is going to be a short episode, but we'll see how that goes uh, because I'm talking about money, a subject that I spend more time talking about than I really wish I would. Uh, so I'm going to jump back into the company of one model. We've been covering it in a couple of episodes. We'll put links in the show notes back to those episodes uh, at dalecallahan.com slash 189. This is episode number 189. And we'll uh, referring back to the company of one model where we talked about the model itself. We talked about your operations officer. And we spent a lot of time and multiple episodes talking about marketing yourself. The third role that we haven't addressed yet was the financial officer role. Now, so quickly, what is a financial officer? When we think about a company, and I'm rolling the term financial officer into things that might be financial officer, comptroller, bookkeeper, everything financial. But generally, the top of the food chain is the financial officer. And these are the people who take care of the money. They help you make the money decisions. They count the money that's coming in. They keep up with the money. They pay the bills. Uh, and so if we look at, uh, you look at your typical company. Again, the example I like to use is Walmart. You know, Walmart has stuff they buy. They buy inventory to put it out there for sale. They roll trucks. They have expenses, employee expenses. They got to pay all those bills. And at the same time, Walmart's constantly making money from all of its different sources. And so it's the financial officer that pulls all that together, that does budgets and does, you know, the creativity (laughs) with money. And I say that not jokingly, but there is a lot of creativity with money. Anybody in the uh, corporate world understands that with finances. But today what I want to talk about is something that's really hitting way too close to home with me and some of my coaching clients. And it's the issue of money uh, and just some basic common sense. Because here's what I'm finding. As I talk to coaching clients of mine that are looking at doing things like starting a company, maybe they want to find another job. You know, because what I'm doing is I'm helping people to find a place where their true calling fits, a place where they can maximize the return on investment, make money, right? Make money doing the things that you love. Unfortunately, a lot of them are trapped. A lot of people are trapped because of money. It could be debt, it could be lack of money, a lot of what I would consider poor monetary decisions. And I say that saying these are not dumb people. A lot of these people are really super intelligent people. Doctors, lawyers, uh, engineers, you know, people of, and it doesn't matter what they do, right? They're just intelligent people. If you look at most things they do, the things that they do at their job, they're smart. They're smart. They come off smart. They know how to do some things. They have great earning potential. And yet they're stupid with money just stupid with money. I'm using the word stupid. Dave Ramsey would say stupid too, for those of you that are familiar with Dave Ramsey. Because it's a it's what he calls stupid tax. Right? When we do stupid things with the money, we end up paying taxes. And those are 
loss of freedom. Those cost us more money. There's all kinds of things. So I'll just give you a couple of scenarios that I'm running into. Uh, clients who make on the surface plenty of money. Now I've had clients making into the million dollar range and clients making, uh, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. They're not. They're not really making much at all. I mean, on American standards, anyway. Uh, so, so from American standards, we're talking about some people just kind of barely getting by, um, and to people doing extremely, extremely well. I've seen both of them be broke. I mean, stupid broke. Matter of fact, I've seen the wealthier people with higher incomes are oftentimes broker because they make bigger, dumber decisions. Whether they make dumb decisions at a bigger financial impact. Their dumb decisions may be million-dollar dumb decisions, whereas somebody making $50,000 a year may make $100,000 dumb decisions. They're all dumb decisions. And I'm seeing these decisions cause them to move to positions almost as if they're in poverty. So I had a client just the other day, and I won't read you because I don't have the permission to read it, but basically she said she was living and her and her husband and their children were living in this great neighborhood, one of the wealthier neighborhoods. They didn't necessarily have one of the wealthier homes, but they lived in the neighborhood. And just because of the neighborhood and the zip code, she said we were looked at and treated differently. We had two brand new cars in the drive. Everything was perfect. We were invited to all the right parties. You know, she was living the life, the high life, because of where she lived. And she went through, there's a couple of scenarios of things that happened, and she said, but now I find myself from living uh, the American dream, and I'm basically pushing to be where I might be standing in the line for food stamps and unemployment. And this has nothing to do with covid it has nothing to do with uh, just a bunch of different circumstances where the money came to bite them. And she said, I have creditors calling me, people wanting their money, and I'm desperate, and I feel like I'm just minutes away from being destitute. And it was just really a sad story, especially considering this person and her husband probably makes six figures. But I see this all the time. I see this all the time where people are so stupid in debt that they're so upside down that they make really good money, but when they take all of the things that they're worth and subtract all of the things they owe, they're in the negative. I recently taught a corporate finance class in which that came up. We had people calculate their net worth. And again, I'm talking with intelligent people working on master's degrees. And they, many of them came back and said, I had no idea I was this broke. They just didn't know. They did not know. So today I wanted to just kind of give some very simple thoughts on what it is that we need to be doing with money. Now, if you've listened to the show at all, you know I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey and his baby steps, his seven baby steps. Uh, So I won't repeat those directly. I'm also a huge fan of I Will Teach You To Be Rich. 
not a huge fan of the guy's politics and some of the ways he thinks about things, but I am, you know, uh, certainly the way he lays out the book is awesome. But a book I've read recently, or actually reread recently, is The Richest Man in Babylon, which might dumb things down better than anything I've ever seen before. It just doesn't have the how-to. So I want to talk to you just about a couple of things about money. And if you're one of these people struggling with money, struggling with what to do, I'm going to talk money. I usually refer people to Dave Ramsey or to these other authors because they do such a good job of it. But yet, over and over and over again as I'm coaching people, I find myself in money conversation. So let's talk a little bit about money. Uh, So I'm just make a couple of different points about money in this particular episode. The number one is money is the number one thing keeping us from being free. Money. And what I mean by that, it's the number one thing from keeping us from being free is bad decisions with money. Usually, debt. People have gotten more and more in debt with student loans, with... um, you know, with cars, with houses, and with all kinds of toys, and it's just bad decisions made with money, and we're paying for them, and it keeps you from being free. Think about it. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had where people had wonderful opportunities to buy a business that they wanted to buy. It's something they wanted to do, but their money was not there. It wasn't that the money wasn't there, but they were so far in debt, they couldn't free up the cash flow out of their personal finances to make it happen. Or people found a new job in a new city and they wanted to make the move, but they were so far underwater, they didn't have any breathing room to do it. Or husband and wife, you know, she gets pregnant. They want to stay home with a baby, but they're so far underwater, they don't have the freedom to make that decision. You know, I'm not saying everybody wants to make that decision, so don't send me an email. But a lot of people do. A lot of people don't until they have a baby, and then Mama decides she wants to stay home. You should be able to have that choice. You should be able to make that decision. So the number one thing keeping us from being free, and freedom is the choice to make your own decisions and not being trapped, is because we're a slave to the lender. That's what it is when you borrow money. You're a slave to the person you borrowed money from. So that's the number one thing I keep finding over and over and over again. Number two is that they're simple simple rules for winning with money. I'm going to give you a couple here, but if you just start here and you do these, you're ahead of almost every American, right? And probably one of the wealthiest societies in the entire world. I can pick on other countries. I know the finances of individuals in other countries aren't much better. Uh, But if you just look at the United States, the American uh, wage earner, by the way, 70% 70% live paycheck to paycheck, right? And I'm sure that's the truth everywhere else in the world too or some static statistic like that. These simple truths though will help set them free, help set them free. Num number 1 of these three simple truths is you should have a plan for your money. Now, some people some people call this a budget 
other people call this a spending plan. I prefer spending plan. My wife convinced me of this. She says, I like to have a plan for how I'm going to spend my money. But it's really simple. This is what companies do. If the amount of money we're expecting to come in, and if you have a job, you probably have relatively solid expectations of what those numbers are. The amount of money that comes in, you split it out into what you are expected to pay. You know what your mortgage or rent is. You know what car payments are. You know what a lot of things are. If Tithe is 10%. If you're a believer, you're tithing, or you should be. And so, and then saving, and then food, and then you start breaking down the categories. So you can just look up uh, on, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, uh, just Dave Ramsey Simple Budget. It's a great simple budget form. It doesn't really matter whose it is. Just a simple budget where you just write down every month, this is how we're going to spend our money. We get paid on this day. We've got the money. This is how we're going to spend it. And I guarantee you it's going to take you a couple of months to get it really figured out and settled down with you and your husband or wife or if it's just you. It's not that straightforward at times. I get it. But you need to take the budget and then track what you spend. If you can do that, if you can do that one simple thing and start tracking what you spend, it's like these weight loss things. When you track how much you eat, you tend to lose weight because you start paying attention. That's what my fitness pal is all about. It's all about just tracking because when you track, you pay attention. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing is you do what's called paying yourself first. Now, so I mentioned just a second ago, however much money you make, you would tithe 10%. So if you did this, if you tithe 10%, that leaves you with 90% of your money, right? That hurts. And then you give, I mean, you save 10%. I mean, you take 10% of your money and you put it in savings. That leaves you 80% of your take-home pay to live on. Now, that may sound bizarre and unreasonable to you, but that's where you want to be. You want to be saving 10% of what you make. That's the first rule in the uh, in the richest man in Babylon. It's a great read, richest man in Babylon. It's a short read. Is to fatten your own purse, just saving ten percent of what you make. And the third thing is to get rid of the debt. So if you can have a spending plan and know how your money is being spent, and then pay yourself first, save some money yourself and then kill all that debt. Get those debt people out of your life. Tear up your credit cards. Get the student loans out of your life. Now, if we don't know how to do that, the trick is what Dave Ramsey would call the snowball method. You take your smallest debt to your biggest debt and you just write them down on a sheet of paper and you start throwing everything you can at the smallest one until it goes away. And then you go to the next one and and you build a snowball thing. And you just start winning with money. If you can do those three simple things, now, <laughs> they're not simple. They're simple in concept, but I'll admit, they're not simple to do. But that gummit, you're responsible. You make this money, somebody's paying you to make good decisions. Just like you should make good decisions about what you eat and 
in what you watch on TV and what you do with your life and how you raise your kids and everything else. Are you that stupid that you're going to just let your money run out and not make good decisions with it? Now, I'm not trying to insult you. I've been there. But that's how we feel, right? We feel like, what am I doing here? So don't be dumb with your money. Have a plan and do it. So these three simple rules for winning with money, man, can you make a huge difference in your life. I've seen it. I've coached people through it. That it changes their entire life and pretty darn quickly too. The minute they get a spending plan and they start paying themselves first and it's a little hard at first and it will look like this will never get me anywhere and then boy, there's a wake up moment and you realize, wow, the needle is moving. And once it starts moving, it starts moving very quickly. So that's the number third, I mean, the number two thing, the big thing about money is there's some simple rules to win, win with money. And then the third observation about money, what I'd say is the number one trap is we compare ourselves to others. Now, I mentioned this in first, you know, that the, the client I have that, she was living in a rich neighborhood, or at least she felt like it was a rich neighborhood. It probably is. We compare ourselves to everybody. It's the keep up with the Joneses mentality. You have to realize the truth, though. Most of these people are lying. They're not rich. If you pull up to a red light and there's a Mercedes, a brand new Mercedes, or pick whatever car you like sitting next to you and it's really flashy and there's a beat up pickup truck next to you on the other side, probably the guy on the pickup truck is richer than the other side. I don't care the details, just statistically, I think I can back that up. If you drive through the wealthier neighborhoods, I guarantee you that many of those neighbors are on the edge of foreclosure. They're living a lie. I know I live in a neighborhood where there's houses that are 500,000 to a couple of million. uh, And I've seen homes foreclosed. And these people that are buying, and I've seen people buy homes in there that I know because I know them and I know things about them. They have no business spending that money, much money on that house. What are we doing, right? A lot of these people are lying. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, do they like the smart, nice, flashy things? Yeah, of course they do. We all do, right? We like things that would be nice. We like big homes and swimming pools and flashy cars. We like that stuff. But that's not why they're buying them usually. Usually they're buying them to impress other people. So many people, though, um, in this, they do this when they become what I would call temporarily wealthy. They have a short-term win. A lawyer might win a big case, get a big payoff, and he spins as if it's going to be this way forever. You may be a salesperson, have a great, great year, get this huge bonus or get some inheritance, and you just got this money that flows in from kind of nowhere, and you spend like this is just as this is going to be normal, and you have this big windfall. You see this in celebrities, and especially sports players, and I would say probably professional football. I'm not sure that's going to be the way in the future, given what professional football is going through, but 
No, they make a lot of money, but very short careers. And there's a couple of them that really do well, but there's a lot of them that live the high life and then end up broke. So the other thing that you need to realize here is when you're comparing yourself to others is truly wealthy people. And I know a lot of people that are truly wealthy. They don't care. They are not interested in impressing you at how wealthy they are. They might just as well be eating over at that table at McDonald's next to you as anywhere else. They don't care. They've made it and their mentality is like, I got nothing to prove to anybody. I really can buy whatever I want within reason, but I don't care. Now, if you read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, you'll see a lot of that, which is an actual academic study done about millionaires. You'll see a lot of that attitude in there. And here's the, here's the tr- other thing when we compare ourselves to others. The other thing I've noticed, the truth eventually comes out. They eventually go broke. They eventually declare bankruptcy. They eventually have to downsize. They eventually get caught up not being able to keep up with the Joneses. The truth does come out. You can't live a lie and keep adding up debt, living on credit, and expecting it to work. The magic is going to (laughs) run out sooner or later, right? We've all seen it. Look, we all know this. Everything I'm saying here, we all know it. We've all seen it. We can all tell stories about people. But it's not those people that I care about. It's your stuff. It's my stuff. What are we doing? How are we doing it? So I just wanted to share these couple of things about money today. Because I keep, you know, I've resisted doing the financial officer kind of thing, as I said, because I think people do it so well. But I realize you just even got to dumb it down more than that because it's such, it's such a big subject that touches everything else. And I spend so much time with coaching clients talking about money. So we're going to do more next week. We're going to keep talking about money. We'll get deeper and deeper into some of the things and talk about how to impact your money, how to win with money, because this is one of the areas, if you can win with a money game, it makes all the rest of the things that you're doing so much easier. So hopefully that gives you some things to think about. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for those that have emailed me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love your thoughts. I love your questions, uh, and just keep them coming. Uh, I do answer my own email, uh, and I'm, I'm actually pretty quick about it too. So, uh, uh, you know, feel free to shoot me an email at Dale at DaleCallahan.com. Of course you can hit me on Facebook, um, or on the blog slash podcast itself, which is at DaleCallahan.com. In this case, DaleCallahan.com slash 189. So that's it for today. Have a great week. Talk to you next week.